Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Mike Birbiglia is back. Uh, the amazing Mike Birbiglia, who, who just made a movie that we discuss at great length in this uh, interview, conversation, whatever you want to say. Uh, don't think twice. I've seen it three times by now. Uh, it's incredible. Absolutely, hands down, one of my favorite movies of the past decade. Everyone I know also seems to agree. It's it's so moving, so funny. This is not uh, the sponsored ad for this for this episode. I'm just telling you, it's an incredible movie. If you haven't seen the movie, there there are no major spoilers in this discussion. We do talk about that and other uh, fun things. So it, it's a good episode. It's a great episode uh, all around. So let's get into it as quickly as possible. Nothing much to plug on my end. We're we're editing the show, uh, the HBO show Crashing, which is going so so well. I'm so excited to show it to you guys. As soon as I have any info about when it might be out or anything like that, I will share, obviously, here. And uh, in the meantime, <laughs> let's enjoy Mike Birbiglia. The, uh, the official sponsor, not Don't Think Twice, is the wonderful Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You know this, guys. They're wonderful, whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog or an online store, or a mix of some of all of those, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today. You go to squarespace.com and you enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase and you know show your support of this show. Squarespace, set your website apart. Thank you, Squarespace, uh, for your support. And everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy uh, my talk with my good friend, Mike Birbiglia. Go see Don't Think Twice. I think that's also implied in this conversation. It's so good. Get into it. Oh, shit. Someone tell Mikey hello. <laughs> Katie found a stray dog on the street. And I brought her That's so sweet. Hello, Michael. Hey, Well, you're wearing a jacket. It's going to get so toasty. It's going to get it's not a filmed interview. What am I doing? It's not a filmed interview. I'm doing so many interviews that I'm in the my my knee jerk. Yeah, I am doing a lot. I, I hope you're not tired. Is what I was going to say. <laughs> I know what it's like to be spread thin. When I was doing the podcast during the show, I was very thin. So do you yeah. feel that way? I do at times, but now I feel good. It's good. ten in the morning. Yeah, fresh. My wife and child and I went to the beach for. You know, oh, cause 20 you're, minutes. You're down by the beach. Staying with friends in Manhattan Beach. I love it. It's the only way that I can uh You're such a New Yorker, this. you'll only stay in Manhattan Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Was Brooklyn bungalow not available? <laughs> bungalow is a type it's of a apartment. It's a Los Angeles yeah. dad joke. <laughs> uh, a rare Los Angeles dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm touching your arm for emphasis. You've made the perfect movie. There's no reason for me to lie. I love it. Why would I lie? I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm Thank telling you. you, I watched it again this morning. Wow. How do, You don't care anymore. I do. You do. Who cares? You know it's great. Reviews are out. 
Now you just wait for the BJ's. <laughs> you from, just put your hand behind Amer- your head from, and wait for the uh, never from ending. America? Yeah. You're waiting for America to blow you while going, we knew you could do it, Mikey. That is the most horrific image <laughs> I could possibly present. You know, Terry Gross didn't say that to me. T. Gross? She didn't lead with... Now it's time for you to sit back and get a BJ from America. Yeah, but Terry Gross doesn't, you know, to quote Beyonce or the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, she don't love you like I love you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I didn't know. I know the Yeah Yeah Yeahs have that, but that's in uh, Beyonce, Beyonce canon, yeah. so well, canon as well. Yeah, don't love you like I love you. Uh, and they're, they're credited as a as a as someone who wrote on the song. It's funny you should say that because um, I that. always, well, I'm doing, I'm going city to city with Liz Allen, who coached our improv team for the movie, and um, and I always speak to the improv groups. We're doing these free improv workshops in different cities, like 30 cities. Are there charged improv workshops? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into detail on that, but I imagine there are. Um, there's a whole controversy about that, right? About stand-up workshops and improv workshops. I didn't think there was a controversy about like classes and classes. stuff. I, I feel like workshops. It's like yoga. Like you should be able to go to a free meditation workshop. You should be able to go to a free improv yeah. workshop. But anyway, I, I I don't teach improv, and so what I do is try to talk. workshop. Yeah, so I don't I don't teach improv. So I I let Liz Allen teach the improv, and then I say a few things about how improv is related to. Just writing and directing and acting and that kind of thing, and uh, and I always say Hollywood. <laughs> I was just I just, remember that Hollywood doesn't like you. That's so funny. They're I've, not your friends. Can I say? Can I interject like yeah. I do? I've been doing a little a little bit of press for our show, the TV show Crashing, and and I, people ask me why we filmed in New York, and I came up with a pretty Mike Eber Biglia answer. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Something you're gonna like it. I go, well, comedy doesn't need or want you, and it's nice to film the show in a city that also doesn't need or want you. <laughs> it like isn't that, that. Doesn't that why New York feels like such a comedy place? It doesn't. It won't notice if you leave. No, I know. Isn't that? It's kind of brutal, but it's you're true. So right. It doesn't notice if you leave, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's true of any that, – that's the thing that's so tough about the comedy field, any artistic endeavor is uh, nobody needs you. I, so Nobody's some, looking for you. I learned it at The New Yorker and uh, yeah, when I was when submitting cartoons. cartoons and, yeah. they would, and they would say, look, they don't need you or want you. They, I don't know if they use that exact phrasing. But they were like, the magazine has – this is interesting – has enough cartoons – backlogged mm-hmm. to never buy another one <laughs> yeah so when they buy one they're actually investing in a person and that's that's the same thing yeah this american life's like that to some extent is that right well they have so many stories that i i might be going out of limb by saying that they cut like a majority of stories that they develop is that right and they and they that's have, why it's so good it's so good but that's something it's the you, best of the best of the best that's what you did in your movie the the word that comes uh i don't want this to be a puff piece i want us to talk like friends but i do want to also big up your movie it's very very elegant it's very thanks. elegant it's very elegant thanks so everything the what well, the first time i watched you i started texting you almost in a manic state because i loved it so much yeah and i was just telling you like you would communicate and i wrote back like just focus yeah, you wanted just to calm watch me it. down. Yeah, well, no, it was yeah. after. Okay. Some were during. Yeah. I, I think pause. 20 minutes in, you had a thing where 20 minutes in, you were like, holy cow. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, keep watching. Yeah. It gets better. Yeah. And then, What's so in you, a- and then you sent me a series of texts that I could actually probably call up. Sure. Where you were kind of like a, 
a, a, a pile of bones. Yeah, yeah. No, it was the most devastating film I've ever enjoyed. There is a good quote. I like that. Eh, I just want to be on the poster. <laughs> we'll put you on the poster. It's weird that you'd be in the poster and a cast member in the movie. Oh, no, I have a better quote for you. This is okay. like a burn you would write for me. If you can make a movie that I'm in and my favorite part isn't my part, <laughs> you know you've done something. Oh, let's put it. Let's make a, <laughs> let's make a thing of it. Like I look at the photos not for my name during the credits. Like, that's how moved by it I was. I wasn't like, because that was the first movie that I've been not cut out of. Oh, wow. So I should have been. You're great in the movie. Well, it's interesting, you know. And you you play, by the way, we keep joking that in the title cards we should have written and introducing (laughs) Pete Holmes as Peter Holmes. That's so funny. Because on the, um, your your audition, your character's auditioning for the Saturday Night Live type show, and on the sign-in sheet you can see Peter Holmes. Oh, I wrote Peter? Yep. No, we wrote it. You wrote it, but I didn't notice it. I was there that day. I could have written my own goddamn name. Yeah. But I didn't. Uh, but yes, the movie was the most devastating thing in the world. I, I, I <laughs> one of your to- texts to me is, "I will rewatch with a loaded handgun and a bottle of bourbon." <laughs> I you wrote what I should have said was because nothing because it's devastating because it's devastating. <laughs> then you wrote a wrecking ball through my bedroom window. Yes. I thought about saying it's my favorite movie and I hated every minute of it. Yeah, it was excruciating. But wasn't sure that you'd know what I I meant. But of course, now you do. Yeah. It was. You know, I've the- never known what a sad clown I was until you held up this glorious mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you got so poetic. Well, it's also an inspiring movie. You're like Ginsburg all of a sudden. When you watch something elegant and very deliberate, you start act. It's like watching Wes Anderson. You know, your movie is nothing like a Wes Anderson movie. But when you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you start seeing the world like they do. So I watch this very elegant movie, and then it inspires you to be elegant. But it's tackling this issue that I think everybody, not everybody, quote unquote, wins. Yeah. It's devastating. Well, not only that, no one wins, right? Well, that's the other thing. The second time I watched it, yeah. uh, I don't know how specific we should get about the movie. What, do you, what are your feelings? Well, I just don't like to talk about, like, sort of, you know, it's a, show, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie about a group of best friends where someone gets, gets a, a few of the cast members get a, a chance to audition for an SNL type of show, and the rest of them don't. And it's about yep. a bunch of friends in a kind of a big chill type of comedy, ensemble comedy, figuring out what they're going to do next in their life. Yeah. And, so, you know, I, I don't like to say who got it and who didn't and that kind of thing. Sure. But. Can I, you know, yeah. I think actually this movie was made just for me. So I might be in a unique position to understand. That's what Judd said better too, than that's anyone. What said oh well, too, that's though. a great compliment. Well, Apatow. That's said, what I'm saying. If Apatow's, lots of people well, yeah. watch it and go, "That's a movie made from my subconscious," that then you're tapping into something. Dare I say, mythic? Something really. That was what happened important. in the script process too. Is mm. I had people over to my house, like Yorma Takone and different people. To we would do these readings of the script. Is it Conan? Takone. Yorma Takone. Oh, Yorma. It's a great comedy writer and actor and director yeah um and he said you you know he's like you made a movie about my you're writing a movie about my life yeah and i go i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know what to tell you but then and i judd had too. like yeah, and then and judd too because you know judd was living with sandler um in la when sandler was like hey i got a call from uh sarah live to audition yeah yeah, yeah. and I then yeah, and then uh, and then <laughs> and then Judd 
said that he felt sorry for him secretly. Sorry for him? Yeah, because he was like, he's not going to get it. <gasps> he doesn't do impressions. He doesn't do characters. It's not going to happen. And now nine out of ten people auditioning for SNL do <laughs> Sandler. <laughs> That's an amazing point. I see what to do. Yeah. People who don't do impressions become impressions. <laughs> if I ever did audition for SNL, I would do Sandler. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quick, easy one. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to oh, give it a good I context. I don't know. I, I was on a show for a few years, and uh, oh, yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't but, really. But do then it. Judd. So then Judd said, because uh, he popped into some of the Q and A's that me and Ira did last weekend, and Tammy Sager did. He did four of them, just mm. like unannounced, mm. and he's not even a producer in the movie; he's just like a, a friend to the movie, and because he's a generous soul. Well, shouldn't shouldn't movies address things? <sighs> but what Judd said is, is, is Adam got SNL, and then Judd, huh. Judd stopped performing. He just retired. Yeah, because he was just like, I'm not, I'm not that. Wow. I can't do what Sandler does, so I don't. What am I doing? Wow. Isn't that wild? Let's just have a moment of dead air for both of our jaws to be dropped. <laughs> Whoa! The longest silence in podcast history. In, in this one, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's my impersonation of your laugh. Wait, no, no, no. This, this is a callback. If people have listened to our other episodes. This is Pete, um, Pete's laugh, followed by Pete's laugh, laughing at his laugh, followed by his <laughs> laugh, laughing at his first two laughs. Ha! 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 There was an extra one. Yeah, yeah. That was you. Yeah, yeah. But shouldn't movies... Okay, so Judd and I and Yorma all said to you, you made a movie about our lives. And it's not just the events of our lives, but yeah. it's this weird feeling. Vanessa Bayer said the same thing. I think there's yeah. something interesting. This is on the second viewing. The movie's called Don't, Don't Think Don't Twice. Don't Think Twice, yeah. And the idea of not thinking, and that there are forces inside of us that, tell, that whisper, you should showboat now. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I do, and I think <laughs> I hope so because you wrote and directed <laughs> this movie. But on first viewing, I didn't consider the "don't think" element to how there are forces inside you that have your best interest in mind and go, "I want to be on SNL, so I'm going to do this impression." And I almost never talk about this part of it, but "don't think twice," it's all right in relation to it. The Bob Dylan song is a little bit, and people will fight me on the meaning of Don't Think Twice It's All Right All Day yeah. because it's one of those songs that's of America. And yeah. so everyone has their own interpretation We've all claimed of it. it. We've that's all claimed a, it. I do feel like that's my song and so no, does of course. everyone. And so does everyone. Everyone goes, that's my breakup yeah. song. <laughs> Bob Dylan wrote Like a Rolling Stone for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't want that one. Oh, really? No. Okay. I don't like the, I don't like it. I don't huh. like it as much. It's too It's too upbeat. I like a, a, a sadder song. There's a great story about I the... do like it. Yeah. It's just not... What's the great story? Oh, of just a... In one of the Dylan documentaries, there's a story about the guy, the pianist, the organist coming in and just being like, what about this? And they're like... And Dylan's like, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, what? And that's how that song was made? That's funny. That's like George Harrison playing doom, 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 doom. It's a similar story. Oh, really? He just came in one day and was like, oh. and then Paul McCartney was like, and that's the song. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Those stories crush me. I know. That's why I can't get enough of rock and roll documentaries. I love them, too. Rock and roll documentaries are so good because even <laughs> if you don't like the band, afterwards you're like, 
best band of all time. That's right. That's what they're saying about the Eagles documentary. That's Eagles right documentaries like, like that. No one likes the Eagles now. Everyone loves the Eagles. Big star documentaries like that. You watch that on Netflix. No. You go like. Oh, Big Star was the actual guy. Oh, wow. I mean, everybody says it was... But that's what your movie is, too, is whatever the vessel is, whatever the vase is, we can pour ourselves into it. And I'm not Tom Petty, and I'm not in a band, but I can go, been there, TP, even though I haven't. Same with this movie. Any good movie, you're looking at five... Or is it six? It's six, six of us, yeah. Six versions of yourself. Kate McCoochie, Keegan Michael Key, Gillian Jacobs, Chris Gethard. Leave one out. Tammy Sager. Nope. Just out of, out of spite. Happen, just dog. accidentally <laughs> forgot one. But uh but oh but but the Don't Think Twice It's All Right song. Yes. Which you almost so, never talk about. To me is um it's a song about the what's freeing about breaking up with some Of course. That that in some ways we're achieving freedom. Yeah. From a relationship, and you, you know what? When he goes, fuck it, you know? I'm not saying you treated me unkind. You could have done better. Yeah, but I don't yeah, mind. But yeah. I don't mind. You just kind of wasted my precious time. These yeah. are words that give me the chills, even as I just say them to you. Yeah. But I was singing it in the shower, because I watched the movie, as I said again this morning, and then I was just singing just that verse over and over, because that's yeah. the one that kills me. Yeah, I would sing it sometimes in the shower and, and walking around town when I was uh, writing the movie. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's a movie about... It's a breakup. It's getting it's a your heart broken. It's a, it's a movie about a group breaking up as opposed to But also just a comedy couple, breaking yeah. up with you. Oh, that's interesting. That's, comedy breaking up with you. That's the worst oh, part. Gosh. I never thought of it that when way. He, the part about like being a pure talent and stuff and whether or not you have it. Yeah. But you know what, Mikey? You did it so... Which, by the way, none uh, of us have it. Isn't that funny? Don't you think? Well, yeah, it's a funny SNL there's a dis- story. There's when Mulaney got to SNL. I think... No, it wasn't Mulaney. It might have been Chevy Chase or something. I'm forgetting who it was, but it, it might have been Mulaney. Mulaney or Chevy Chase? You're mistaking those two people who well, are he, like 75 years apart in age? Yeah. Well, he berated a gay man and uh, calling him the worst name. I thought it was Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> he fell down as Gerald Ford and broke his knee. I think yeah. that's Chevy Chase. That was not John Mulaney. I, it was in Fletch. No, Fletch too. I'm sorry, Fletch too. It was Mulaney. Uh, Mulaney has a small part in Fletch, too. Oh, my too. God. <laughs> no, but he get, I think it's Mulaney. I'm embarrassed. I, it might not be. But he uh, got to set, and one of the other writers goes, like, you feel like a fraud? Do you know the story? And he goes, we all feel like frauds. Oh, that's nice. And he gave him a moleskin notebook that said SNL on it. Oh, that's sweet. And But that's that's the other thing. The winner and loser, I, it's a very unifying movie because everybody wins and everybody loses. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So at the, well, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, oh, this guy, this guy. And then the second time I was like, oh, no, it's everybody. Everybody's sad yeah. and everybody's happy at yeah. the end. It's brutal. Who does that? That's an amazing magic trick. Thanks. How did you even get here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing like you. <laughs> How did you get here? It took a long, a long, a lot of drafts. Do you remember what I said, though? I was like, you did it. I know the pain. Let's talk about the pain yeah. and the sacrifice. I know what it cost you to do this movie. <laughs> and I think the first thing I texted you was, you put your heart and your time into the right thing. Yeah. Because you did it. Yeah, you. I think you texted me like you, there's blood on every page, which there's I always tell, on every tell you at your show that, yeah. that you should. That's my other it. press point is when people say, people love to say this question to me, and I've only done like five interviews. They go like, with all the TV, why should they watch this? And what I should really say is there's blood on every page. Oh, good. That's what I should say. Do it. What I do say is Mike told me, if you're not telling secrets, I say Mike Birbiglia. Uh, you know, they don't know. I know a bunch of mics. And I say, but you know, I have to tell them that it's you. So I'll say... Mike Birbiglia. 
<laughs> I'll say Mike Birbiglia said, if you're not telling secrets, who cares? But you're telling secrets. Sorry, touching your flesh. Yeah. You're telling secrets that people didn't even know. You've gone to the inception basement, the subconscious basement. Which, yeah. if I can do one spoiler, this isn't even a spoiler. They laugh at everything, which is what the group, the improv team, represents comedy and comedy's wonderful ability to sand off the edges of any tragedy, right? Yeah. But there's one moment, and there are no mistakes in your movie. I asked you about improv, and yeah. I asked you about what was scripted. There's a scene where these two people are together, and they're lovey with each other, and they're talking about incest. Yeah. That's not a mistake. They're joking about incest. And yeah. I was like, oh, what are the darkest, worst things? Yeah. Our killer be killed nature, <laughs> incest, <laughs> yeah. and then death. Yeah. Incest isn't, you it's know, Jack on the same and, yeah, level as Jack, death. It's Keegan and, and Gillian who are a couple in the movie. And I, want, yeah, I wanted them to feel so loose yeah. that it felt like what it was like to, A, to date a comic where yeah. you're doing bits and then you're in love. Right. And then also I wanted it to feel like um, there's a secret camera. Yeah. But even see, the shot you're talking about is a wide, yeah. it was a wide lens shot. And, you want to talk about shots. There's a great shot where Gillian, oh, I, don't, I can't, I'm going to not ruin anything. But she makes a big choice on stage that's painful. Yeah. And the camera, like Taxi Driver, looks away as if it can't watch. Yeah. Even the camera can't watch. Yeah. How did you figure this out? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You're a comedian. Like, I was on the set of my show, and I was watching the directors, right? Yeah. And everybody, you know, people would ask, are you going to direct? And I was like, you know, I, I would love to if, if we got to go another season. But then you watch the directors, and it's more involved than you want it to yeah, be. Yeah, it's technical. You want it to be just like... Do the thing. Yeah. But it's like your choice to be like, this should be a, a lonely wide shot. And it's your choice to tell the guy shooting it to kind of like be so close on Gillian when she's sitting down, she brings home the improv sign. She sits down on the couch and they lose her for a second because it's so intimate. That's how life is. Yeah. When I'm looking around, I sometimes lose you. It's not framed perfectly. These are the choices that you make. And then never for, never mind the performance, you know, I'm watching it, and the way that the actors are like, there's a, there's a couple key moments where they're talking. You're walking with uh, the woman that you date. These aren't big spoilers. Yeah, sure. And you're talking, and you're like, uh, it's it's uh, the moment where she's telling you about the retreat she was on. Yeah. And there's a moment where you're like, these aren't the words, but you're like, well, I, I like apples, right? And then her line is, let's go to the movies, right? Yeah. But what you do is you go, I like apples, but like, and then she goes, let's go to the movies, now, actors are, are supposed to just listen to each other, but what often happens is you just get a ping-pongy, yeah. I like apples, let's go to the movies. But you have several moments in the movie where it seems like the person talking is genuinely trying to say more than what they yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah, And it's not that they're being interrupted, but it feels authentic. Well, a little bit, I mean, I'm... Like, Keegan is trying to interrupt, as I am interrupting yeah. you, he's trying to interrupt when Tammy has that great line that's in the preview where she goes, you shouldn't have said that in your audition. Yeah, yeah. And I know you've seen this movie a thousand times. <laughs> You're saying, the question was, was Weekend Live ever good? Keegan, like all of us, yeah. is just trying to riff and get yeah. another laugh in. Yeah. So that may... And, and Gethard's yawning. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, 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 I don't know. These are choices. I know. They're eating pizza. These things <laughs> I Mikey, I thought these things happened by accident. <laughs> they this is the first of many American blowjobs you're receiving this podcast. But they don't happen by accident. It's a tone that you create on set. Was was he going to speak if Tammy didn't interrupt him? Or we spent um I spent months with my cinematographer and my production designer and my location manager scouting shots. Yeah. So we'd walk around the city, look at apartments, we'd look at theaters to shoot in, we'd look at bars. I remember one time we were walking on Manetta Lane and and I I was like, (laughs) what a pretty New York street. And you're like, I might shoot here. Yeah, yeah, and I take photos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm always shooting photos. When I was in prep, I was always shooting photos of things like, maybe this is a shot, maybe this shot, maybe this shot. The shot that you were saying where they're overlooking the Hudson River. Yeah. Um, or, I'm sorry, Sitting the on East the River. Yeah. Um, that was one night I was at Chris Gethard's like, per, album release party, and it was too loud for me. And because there's a band playing, and my, it hurt my ears. And so I, I went for a walk. Can I interrupt with the great... Seinfeld to Shandling, yeah. he goes, the day you're comfortable at a party is the day you're not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Keep, yeah. Keep going. So you went um, for a walk. I went for a walk, and I took a photo of that shot overlooking the river, except without the actors. Yeah. And I was like, this should be that scene. And um, there's a lot of that. The deliberation like, of it, though. But but then once once we shoot, it's like when we're out on the rocks, it's like, when Keegan and Gillian are out sitting on the rocks, I'm like, I, I want you to run this by him. I want you to r- run this by her. And I want it to feel messy. Mm-hmm. I want you to overlap each other. This is a single take. This is a wide shot. There is no coverage. Yeah. Let's make this feel more like life than a movie. Yeah. And and so that was... That's the other thing the you marching tell me about crashing, the, as you yeah. said. Because I, I let you read a script. <laughs> and uh, you were like, this... The the last joke in the scene is called the blow, and the scene ended with a blow because I'm a TV writer and I like things ending with a blow. And you were like, "That feels like TV to me. Like that was your thing." And I actually found that to be a challenging note because I like TV. Yeah, I do too. But then here's the other thing: is if you if you're being so precise and also sloppy at the same time, it can feel labored. Yeah, but you're also your shows on HBO, so you don't have commercials, so you yeah. don't have to uh, you don't have to live by the rules of. Oh, it was a cold open though. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Which is the first part of the show that you know sets up the show before the have, title segment. Yeah. You don't have to live by that either. But yeah, you sure don't. And I'm not saying we did. Yeah. But you would always give me the advice. But you, like in this, I think that some be, the reason I say that, and I say it to myself, I said to you, I, I mean to anyone who'd ask advice, I would just say like when you give when you make things feel more like life than a movie or more like life than a TV show, you take people off guard. Yeah, in like the best way, because like like that person is saying, like how does this set, how does this set aside from how does this cut through the clutter of TV? Well, well, if it's like feels like life, then it does, right? Or but good. how did you manufacture? Because everything's manufactured, even an unmanufactured feel is manufactured. So you have everybody watching weekend live. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah, so- another great moment. And when it's you, I'm not. When you go, hey, it's in the preview. You go, <laughs> don't showboat. Anytime there's industry here, then you turn away. I know you're yeah. excited about it, but you'll f- be hard pressed to find someone that's as excited as you are, and I am. I love it that you turn away yeah. and deliver a pretty key line with your back. Yeah, and then it stays. We stay in a long shot. Well, I'm still. How did I'm you s- manufacture that tone on set with the actors? You know, we're stealing, of course, from 
Robert Altman and Woody Allen. I mean, yeah. we're stealing from the great filmmakers when we do stuff like that. Sure. I mean, it used to be that that st- that kind of stuff was in movies more. This kind of atmospheric, yeah. like shots. It makes that, me think of Francis Ha and all. Yeah, those, yeah. Like, Francis Ha, yeah. Noah Baumbach does it yeah, still, Bombeck, which is, ama- right. is amazing. Um, RDP did the Noah Baumbach movies. Oh, in that wow. Film? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he told me it took two days to do the insert of Francis Ha going into the mailbox. Oh, because inserts are the that, worst. That isn't that funny. That shot. That shot took two is, days. Makes me cry. Took two days. <laughs> I've seen that. I've embarrassingly seen that movie, and not embarrassingly. I've seen it probably five or six times. I mean, I love that movie. That movie is what Valerie looks like on the inside. She loves that movie, and I love that movie because I love Valerie. I love. Yeah, it's but, like such a pure. <laughs> so yeah, we're borrowing from people like. From Altman and, and No Bombback and yeah. Nicole, Nicole Holof Center. I mean, it's just like a tr- it's a style of filmmaking that if you can get your whole crew and your cast to believe that it will work, yeah, then you can try it. But how can you be? Here's okay. So the question that I saw, I don't, on set, I don't know. Yeah, you don't. Know. <laughs> you don't know. You, you just don't guess. Know. You don't know. You take a shot at it. That's what's crazy. Yeah, I'm watching rough cuts of our show, and I I fully believe that it's going to come together. But I love it actually. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, we didn't know. Like, when something really clicks, I'm like, everybody is just the actors. And I have to imagine the the DP and the director are all kind of – you're hoping for – it's almost ceremonial. Like, we're all spitting in the same clay pot. Yeah. And we're trying to make some weird fermented brew that's going to make us trip our balls off because it's a full moon tonight. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Your movie's so – this is what I said to Nick Kroll about the Oh Hello show, by the way. And do you remember, oh, what, he, do you remember what he said? Well, I remember that you and I both had the same reaction to that show, which is just like euphorically we loved enjoyed it. it. But then I said to Kroll, I go, you realize it could have not worked. <laughs> right. Because I saw Oh Hello, you know, 10, 12 yeah. years ago. And I remember being like, I love this, but I, don't, I didn't understand why everybody was so into it because I didn't get the whole New York thing. Yeah. They fixed that problem, but they could have not fixed it. But I go, what did he, okay. I go, Crowley, it could have not worked. That's what's so amazing. He goes, no, there's no way it couldn't have worked. Yeah, he's very confident. He's very, and he, that and came he's, across. And, he, and, and, and rightly so. Yeah, I've but known similar ne- I've with known you. Nick since, <laughs> I've known Nick since we were both 19. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know I that. cast Nick in the George Shum Players Improv Troupe when... When he and I were the same age. Really? When we were 19. And that was the happiest 20. day of my life. That was the happiest day of my life, too. He <laughs> agrees. He agrees. I'm referencing the movie. I know. He agrees. <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> he doesn't want to grow up. Yeah. He doesn't want to grow up. <laughs> I'll tell you the first people time. should people should like stop the podcast now go Watch to the see movie. the movie come back and listen well, to the I want to do a commentary because Pete with is you. just Pete is just referencing lines from I the movie know. but out of context so as not to spoil but it's brutal he agrees yeah. he doesn't think about it and then agrees it is brutal I have to say like I appreciate the compliments I will I, I will say the response has been great the stuff is everything's been exciting. Yeah, um, I can't watch the movie anymore because I cry too much. I, well, I told I, you, yeah. I can't cry every day. I just can't do it. <laughs> it messes up my day. I don't get work done. <laughs> can't go for a jog. Well, um, but but so then, because the reason I cry is that it's not me. It's not my life. It's just these six people. Yeah, and. And I have the same experience that audiences have now. Like, yeah. it's another thing. I, 
I don't want to. I'm just trying to relate. I agree. When I watch cuts of the TV show, there's I've I've stopped going like, oh, I did a good job. I'm just kind of watching it like a show. That's great. Which is which is good. I'm, I didn't know it would good. be that way. But we did so much of it. Yeah. I often don't even remember. Like, oh, that's the well, that's what we riffed or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I don't remember saying that. Wow. I don't remember George saying. Oh, you that. must must have been in a haze. Well, we did a we did a lot of alts. Yeah. Robert Altman. I'm your Robert <laughs> Altman. Oh God. boy! Oh God. boy! Well, it's devastating. I told you that, like, that, we have to cut that from the podcast, not because it's offensive, <laughs> but because it's offensive to comedy. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm your Robert Altman. Yes, I just mean that. Oh, you get it, you salty. Oh, dog. I get it, you salty. Dog. The first time I watched it, <laughs> let's talk about because you know what's funny. The first time you did my podcast, I kept pushing you, uh, if you recall, to admit. That under your sweet demeanor, there is a lion. And just because I'm a sweet guy, too, there's also... Nobody becomes a successful comedian. I'm not saying we backstab. No, I agree. We don't backstab. I'd like to think we're always kind. Yeah. But my therapist will talk to me. He'll be like, I catch glimpses of your tenacity. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is a little bit of a don't fuck with my comedy thing going on. Um, Don't fuck with what I'm trying to I've do. I've never said this in any interview ever. Yeah. When when I first started doing comedy, um, my soccer coach from high school um, saw something I did on TV, and he emailed me, and he was like, um, "You know, you." He's like, "You you're acting like you're a you're a passive, quiet person, but you're a lion." He said, "Lion." Yeah. That's what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what reminded me of it. Fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But you, no, I think to be a comedian or or, or director or anything, you got to be ambitious, really ambitious. Yeah. So there's part, you know, there's part of Keegan's character is very ambitious, and I have a part of that in me certainly. But there's a great again. My it's uh, it's not a spoiler. You tell me if it's a spoiler, we'll take it out. But there's a part where the ambitious guy Keegan talks to another character who's less ambitious, and he's like, "You should be on the show. You'd be better than me." Yeah. And there's also you and I have that as well. There there might be better comedians yeah. that smoke too much pot, uh, wanted too much pussy, wanted too much access, fame, yeah. or whatever it was, and their shit got contaminated. And it was the weird comedy conservatives, which is the term I'm sure you've heard me use before. You and I that were like, no, you should work, and you should. You, you were the only guy. You were if it's bad, then you were worse. If it's good, then you were better. Than me at being like, oh, the Bob and Tom market is huge. I'm going to call in with yeah. the journal, the and I'm going yeah. to try and uh, get street teams to hand out my CDs, and get, yeah. or I'd pay them in CDs, and they'd hand out flyers. <laughs> so I sell out my shows. Talk about throwing your hat over the wall with a promise that you'll get your hat later. You're just like, when yeah. I was starting out, I was too embarrassed to promote my shows because what if the show wasn't good? Yeah. Just like you going like, we're going to have a loose feel on the film and I don't know if it's going to work. You would send out street teams to flyer your college show. Right. Whereas I would be going like, I'm too embarrassed to try and sell out my college show. Yeah. And, and you had the, the vision to go like, no, it'll be good. If more people are there, it'll be good. Yeah. That's I, I, know, I know what you mean. I, I never thought about I never made the connection between those two things. Which, which, uh, the just the ambition side of it, the, the ambition of being a director, and then the, the ambition of when I was starting out, <laughs> the cock involved, <laughs> the ambition of when I was starting out, just like having street teams and asking people. I mean, it was, you know, I always would say, you know, people would join my email list or whatever, and I would just sort of say, like, 
well, I have this pile of CDs and yeah. posters and things, and you guys like my comedy. Let's trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just tell three friends to come to the show. But I mean, realize- it was simple. And to be honest with you, it's the same model of me delivering this movie door to door. I'm going to 30 cities. I don't have to. Yeah. We're doing these free improv workshops. I'm doing screenings. I did 28 screenings at Sunshine and when yeah. we opened in New York with Ira Glass. And, and Act one. There, because I think there's something to... I'm going to put my hand on you. There's something to... Um, St- but when you when you believe in what you're 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 creating, there's something to to showing up and saying like I'm gonna just put this aside. I'm gonna put down everything, put aside everything, and just bring this to you. Yeah, and people can tell that it's real because it's real, right? You, th- that's exactly right. You said that one of the most crucial things in my you said many of the most crucial things in my career. That's that's wow. true. You're a great advisor to me. And you were like one thing I, I remember we were coming up with the conceit of our show, our, the HBO show. Yeah. And I was like, well, every episode I'm going to be staying with a different uh, comedian. Yeah. And then I was like, people are already flagging that as a production concern. Mm-hmm. It's all <laughs> guest stars. What if someone cancels yeah. all this stuff? Do you remember what you said? I said something like Basically, probably like, of course they are. They're not making art. You are. Ah, that's even some, better. I'm glad like, I let you something guess. Something like that. That's great. <laughs> what you said verbatim, because I remember, is you go, uh, are we really on this planet to make an easy production schedule? Is that why we're on Earth? And I love zooming out. And that was a zoom out moment. And you go, let's not have a revelation on our deathbed. Let's not forgive our brother when we have cancer. Let's realize now, <laughs> zoom out, you're on a planet. Is that what you're really here to do? I understand making, we had a great production guy, Igor, who made a great production schedule and it wasn't a problem, but we didn't set out to have a great production That's schedule. Right. That's we right. We set out to make something true. Yeah, no, a great, a great line producer will look at what you have and figure out a creative way to make it work. Right, and that's their thing. Yeah. And our thing is coming up with an idea. That's original and from yeah. the gut. And that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. That's enough. Let's not also worry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's like people go, I have this idea, but then they think 15 steps down the line, the thing that's going to trip them up. And it's like, maybe just hyper-focus, blinders on, like you're saying, just bring, put everything aside and just that, just that. One of the things that, on, on this podcast, that people go back and listen to the first three podcasts we did. Yeah. Um, First three one-on-one podcasts. Yeah. Other people have done this three times, but you're counting live up here. <laughs> right. This is your fourth. <laughs> this is your fourth in studio. It's crazy. But, but uh, my friend Anahid, I regret, you've met. Yeah. Uh, at my house, yeah. you met. Yeah, yeah, Anahid yeah. Alani. Um, she said that when she heard for the first time me on your podcast it was the first time she heard me alpha dog anybody was her term oh, that's funny and i was like i don't i didn't realize i was doing that but i guess because you're younger i and you and i have that dynamic i'll also say i, I didn't mean to no 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 mike who are yeah. you talking to please but <laughs> yeah when i went to the one at your hotel remember and then afterwards yeah. we sat by the pool and we talked shit for an hour, and I realized my phone had been on with an interview oh I had just God. been doing. Oh, my God. And we were, like, trashing people yeah, for an yeah. hour. Luckily, they had hung up, but I was like, oh, shit. And it was an interview I did about my show with Rob Bell, so it was like the, I was being very godly. You know what I mean? Like, yes. focusing on the spiritual stuff. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm not coy. I'm, I'm both things. I also will hang up, and then we'll talk about other people and have a good time. Yeah. That, that happened. Anyway, 
when we were in that hotel, I always come in. What I do, uh, for better or worse, is is alpha dog a lot of the time. Yeah. People come on my podcast, and what I'm doing is poking and prodding to see if they'll come to where I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? You never do. <laughs> you never do. Everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Judd didn't either. Mm. And there, there are other people that didn't. Mm. But, but I remember, because what I do is on the drive over, I always kind of, I don't want to use the word visualize, but I will. I visualize how I think it'll go, right? And what I want it to be. And then I got there and I was like, oh, Mike's staying in a nice hotel. I want to talk about like nice hotels and what it feels like when, you, when you're starting out in shitty hotels. And that's in Sleepwalk With Me. And then we'll get to none of that happen. Yeah. And it's... Cock, and I don't mean women don't have cock, but it's cock. <laughs> it's imposing. Women have cock, but it's imposing, and and it and it doesn't ask. It just fucks. Do you know what I mean? And there's quiet, gentle guys that still get the cock out, and that's what you do. That is very kind of you. <laughs> very strange. Very strange way of putting it. But, I know it's a strange but way. I, to put I get it. what you're saying. You know what I mean. Yeah, but you know Val. Noted, she's it's so nice to have a partner that sees you. And she was like, "What I admire about you now, I'm complimenting myself, was that when you go in a room, you make it your own, and that always benefits for the most part." Yeah, you go into a pitch, you go into a meeting, you sit down with whatever it is. It's not about being a loud mouth. It's about like infusing it with a little bit of your flavor. Yeah, and that's something you're very good at. But make no mistake, that is. And aggression. <laughs> my wife does it. In a, my wife does it in a completely different way. My, you know, Jen. She yeah. will say nothing for an entire meeting or an entire dinner, and at the end of it, she'll say something in like one sentence that will be smarter and encapsulate the essence of what the entire conversation That's was brilliant. about, and yeah. with kind of a soft, hushed yeah. tone. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the winner. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I yeah. mean, she, my wife, I, the idea from the movie sprung from that she said a thing that I thought was profound. What did she say? She came to see a show one night, UCB. It was a Del Close Marathon show that it was Mike Birbiglia's dream, and it was me and Gethard and Tammy, and like I think it was Ellie Kemper and A.D. Bryant. Like it was like a Isn't bunch of. Isn't that funny that a movie about not helping your friends features you helping your friends? <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm these, not helping my these friend. are great people but you were doing a show years ago with Gethard and Tammy two people in the movie yes a lot of people boatloads of people would tell you that never happens right it's, well, the, it's hard, stu- it's well yeah, the, stu- to- well, the studio version I, I, when we were doing workshop when, we, when I was having people over to read the script aloud and give notes Chris and Tammy would come over and I would always say like just so you guys know, you might not be able to play these parts that I'm having you read. But that's because... maturity. Did you, did you always have that? There must have been a version. Because Keegan in the movie, who is the ambitious one, at some point flippantly kind of promises, like, I can. I know. It's done very, like everything in the movie, yeah. elegantly. And I've been that person twice that I, I, I've burned close, loved friends twice because in a manic, high state i don't mean high on yeah drugs. like i'm gonna set everybody I've up been like, i'm gonna hook everybody up i'm gonna this make it our happen. dream yeah you know? no and i and, and i've had to learn the hard way yeah. and, and i'm, I'm and happy I have to, to say i've paved those things over but it took a lot of work and i don't know if they'll ever you know if if, if it will ever be exactly the same because i mistakenly thought it was an opportunity to be like and you get a car and you get a car when really 
look look to like Judd and these guys that are cool ass motherfuckers that are calm and don't make any promises. You I know mean, I've been I, I've been told you, I've been told so many times that I by creators and directors that I would be in their movies or sure. TV show or whatever. Sure, and it doesn't happen. People, like most of the time, yes, most of the time it doesn't happen. Yeah, every once in a while, like with Trainwreck, Judd emailed me. After dinner one night, he had, and I had dinner. I was like, "Hey, would you want, would you want to play this part?" And Trainwreck is like, you know, the Amy's brother-in-law. And I was like, "Yeah, count me in. I'll do anything." I hadn't read the script. I'll do anything you do. You, yeah. You're doing. I'm in. Yeah. You know. And I didn't think it would happen. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah, yeah. I was on the set. Well, that's a nice. Yep. And then I was on the set. I was like, I think it's gonna happen. Ah. And then even like when the movie comes out, I'm like, I think it happened. Uh, like it's only funny. when like it's way past the point of happening that you can count that. Right. Or you could be. I always think we always say on the show, Eric Stoltz, Back to the Future. Mid, yes. Like a third they, of the way through. It Re-shot. A oh, that's a brutal story. But but uh, it's never it's never something until it's something. Chris and Tammy, I would say, guys, like. This movie's not financed. We had 10 readings when the movie wasn't financed. I was trying to hone it. This movie's not financed, so they might come in and say, we want John Cryer and Claire Danes right. to play these parts. But, right. but fortunately, Cold Iron Pictures and Film Arcade let me do it the most, to, to your point, like the most authentic and real feeling way right. I could. So then, you know, Tammy and Chris are two of the best improvisers in the world. And yeah. Yeah, they don't. They're not in a ton of movies as yeah. actors, but, yeah, yeah. but they're, uh, they're, there's no one better for those parts. But to get back to what my wife said, she came to a show at UCB one night, and she said, um, "We're walking down the street." I remember the conversation. We were at, on like Twenty Third Street between Eighth and Ninth, and she goes, "She goes, it's amazing that everyone is in your group is like so equally talented and funny and unique, and yet this person's on SNL." Mm. And this person's a movie star. Mm. And this person lives on an air mattress in Queens. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, immediately I thought, that's a whole movie. Mm -hmm. I want to see that movie. Mm -hmm. And then since no one's making it, I'll make it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you did. But when you didn't even know that that needed to be said until you're watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I knew what your movie was about. I was like, yeah, that's interesting. One guy makes it. It's not at all what I expected yeah. at all because it's, it's far more complex. And then I wrote I, – when I went home, I wrote down on my wall. I have like a bulletin boarded wall and I put up a thing that says art is socialism but life is capitalism. And nobody ever says it because it's too on the nose. None of the characters say it but it's, yeah. it's, it's infused through the film. Is the art is socialism but life is capitalism can you unpack that a little bit i'm just so in other words art is done by groups and it's done in um with friends and we're all equal and we're all gonna get the thing that we want out of this right and then capitalism comes in which is every man for himself every Mm -hmm. man and woman for her her, him or herself and it's it's hard i can't even imagine how many truly brutal examples of that Oh my God! I have had so many people come up to me and tell me their brutal really? story, really? being on both sides of it. Really? Well, it's like every SNL story. It's like when Yorma Tacone said, "Like that's my life." It's like he and Andy Samberg auditioned for SNL together, best friends from childhood, not from high school, not from college, from childhood. <laughs> and uh, one of them got it. One of them didn't. And then for a, there was a week there before Yorma was hired as a writer 
Yeah. Yorma and Akiva, yeah. they, were, they were a trio, the Lonely Island. They weren't hired as writers. So it, was it was just a week. We all went to audition, and one of us got it, and we're, the rest of us are going home. Right. You know, people know that I quote this all the time. Uh, someone said to Lorne Michaels, show business isn't fair. Do you know what he said? No. Talent isn't fair. <laughs> and isn't this selection process an exaggeration and a manifestation, just meaning a materialization of a cruel, you have it and you don't have it. The movie talks about you have it and you don't no, have it. No, and Yorma it. actually would say to me early on, he goes, you got to play uh, Jack, uh, you know, in the movie, this, uh, the, the part that Keegan plays. Yeah. And I would say, I'm not talented enough to play Jack. Isn't that funny? Because the, the Jack character, you need to believe, is one of the kind of the great sketch comedians of our time, or could be. Yeah. And that's what Keegan-Michael Key is. Isn't that funny? Is. That's, that's Doug Benson's point about Entourage. He was like, I don't believe Adrian Grenier. I totally get that. Hit it. Wow. High Isn't five. that good? He doesn't... He, I don't mean to put this actor down. This is Doug's point. But he was like, I don't buy this guy as being Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, I don't see it. That's so funny that you should say that. Because now that I think back on it... I voted... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That he's not really a leading man. I'm, again, I'm not putting him down. No, no, that's a good point. Now that I think back on it, I never even it never occurred to me that it was trying to be a Leonardo DiCaprio type character mm-hmm. because it never hit me that way. Mm. So I was like, oh, I guess he's sort of like a middling star in Hollywood. <laughs> but I guess you're right. The, the idea was about, that the idea he's of, Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. He's a, he's an A-list. Yeah. So it didn't hit me the way it was. I guess it was, intended. and it still, it still worked. I guess, but that that's your point, and that's what. It, but that's you don't see that a lot. But it's it's a. Uh, I talk about comedy being. Um, confident vulnerability yeah. and you have like grotesquely not grotesquely but very very confident grotesquely I know I just mean like <laughs> dipping a nacho cheese Dorito in nacho cheese just a lot of it uh, you have a lot of appropriate humility where you're like this piece is better and bigger than even showboating me putting me out there you know what I mean like you give yourself some really funny moments like the oh yeah no I'm the I'm, I'm a niche I'm, I'm a small part in the movie I'm, I'm like the guy who's Everyone shits on. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Cause Miles. I, I don't, yeah. That, it's funny. On the TV show, too, it's like it became a running joke. Whenever Pete got in, the character Pete got in an argument with somebody, they would tell him he's not funny. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, this is what I've chosen to do is take every humiliation yeah. and every heartbreak and magnify it and then show it to people. Yeah. That's insane. And, and, and that's you and know, that, a little and bit what you're doing. And that's what, you know. The both of us are doing it, and they don't want generals; they want foot soldiers. <laughs> What's that? That's one of your character's lines. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're swinging a baseball bat, a wiffle ball bat. Yeah, there's a couple moments where you do these things. Again, I, I have a bit about this idea on stage. Shirt, shirtless, shirtless. shirtless, I'm shirtless a lot in the movie. I know. And twice in the trailer. I know. Um, and it's, it's so embarrassing because a... I'm so. It's so unflattering to see me shirtless. Like if you thought I was sexual before I took my shirt off, wait. If there was a hint of sexuality that you thought was oozing from me, yeah, that it's over. That well is no, that well I is empty. That's true. Because <laughs> that again, well it's dry. it's confident vulnerability. It's a strange new type of alpha where you go, this guy who doesn't have, you know, Adrian Gurnier's body is yeah. going to take his shirt off, and that is a different type of weak strength that we now moistens vaginas everywhere. So don't sell yourself short. But even that shot, there's this thing where like. 
you know, and they're they're minor things, but sometimes when I'll watch a cut, I'll be like, oh, I wish we just had this shot. And it, you didn't do that. You would be like, we had it. So you're talking with your uh, yeah, girlfriend about a yeah. key thing, your date. Yeah. And then it cuts to that shot. It's a visual punchline. I, I don't know if it's cutting on form or whatever it is, but it's just like, pow. And it's like, it's deliberate. It wasn't just because that was the next part of the movie. Yeah. It was because that's what you should be seeing if it were a dream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It would be perfectly constructed. So it's, it's truly lovely. Wow. Yeah. That's what... Um which classic filmmaker said that that film is basically a dream version of your life. Yeah. That's been said. I was talking about how TV is great because you have every conversation that you just practice in the shower. You have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in, in, in you know, the show is loosely based on what actually happened. None of those conversations happened. But in a TV show, and you script both sides. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's really fun. Yeah. And very cathartic. And also very painful. There were scenes that we shot where I had to be with a pretend mom, a pretend dad, a pretend wife at a pretend dinner. Yeah. And I was like, this is Twilight Zone level, not fun, difficult, hard stuff. You know, it's really funny. I, in a couple interviews, I've said advice that my friend Colette Burson, who's a great writer, um, co-created Hung on HBO a sure. few years ago, a bunch of other stuff. But she and I shared that office in New York. Oh, when, yeah. I was, when I was in my early 20s. And so that's how I know her. I was like renting space from her. And she oh, said wow. this thing about writing, which is really, that stuck with me for a long time, where she said, um, you can save a couple people. You can save maybe your husband or wife. Uh, when you're a writer, you, you, can, you can protect a couple people. In the story. In, in your writing. Yeah. And then everyone else you've ever known is toast. Wow. Is just cooked, you know, and in the and it, story though, if I'm hearing, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 basically, like you're to your point about like you're telling your secrets, yeah, it's like you, if if you're doing that, you're selling out everyone you've ever known, yeah, because there because it's all of writing. When I, I always say my criteria for what I put on the page is have I lived it, have I witnessed it, or have I heard about someone experiencing it. Mm. And if I haven't, then I usually try not to write it. That's interesting. That's great. Speaking to that, the pain of those experiences, and this has nothing to do with my ex-wife or, you know, the real experience. The show, for me, making the show had a lot to do with erecting monuments to the least likely thing. It would be like, let's build a pyramid to the time I lost an erection. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, let's have a fireworks display and everyone there will know we're not celebrating independence. We're celebrating the time I had diarrhea in church. Yeah. And everyone will be like, that's pretty good. That's, I hope. I yeah. hope they'll think that that's No, good. but that's what's so scary about it is like you might do that and, and they people, don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, 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 And then you're like, well, I already showed you my balls. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else. You can't go back. You can't pull up your tuxedo pants and resume the party. No, I think that that's what's so scary about writing. And it's still. I mean, it's literally... I you know I'm reckon, reckoning with on my next stand up that I'm writing my next movie is that you can put your your blood on the page you can take your balls out you can do all the analogies for opening up and being naked yeah and then people can hate it but this is the the and classic that's what's so painful this is the classic Big Lebowski my landlord has a one man show thing where you go and you see it and he's literally on stage screaming about 
his mother or whatever it was. And I'm, I'm going away from Big Lebowski. But somebody could let, rent a black box and you begrudgingly go. And then he's up there burying himself. And it could be the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. I know. And there could be nothing more honest than he could have done. That's true. Because you're just like, oh, you're just not a compelling. Well, it's this I'm weird it's this weird mixture that you have to pull off, which is it needs to be revealing everything about yourself and then simultaneously it needs to be about the audience. Mm. It needs Isn't that funny? It has to do both of those things. It needs to be an avatar for them to slip into. And that's why it takes so many I mean, some people people have different theories on how long it takes to write a good screenplay. It's like the Coens write them in three months. I don't understand it. I literally don't understand it. Mm. Woody Allen writes in three months. I don't get it. I'd, I'd be, I would love to ask them how that happens. Yeah. But, um, but a lot of – I think Scott Frank is a great screenwriter who said like no good screenplay has written, been written in less than a year. Wow. Because – Well, Judd was just telling me about Bridesmaids where he was like – Four or five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because... because Four or five years? Because, I, I think that's a perfect comedy, but like, I didn't imagine it took five years. Because you got to remember, it's like you're you're trying to pack a lot of layers into that 90 minutes or two hours. Yeah. People don't come to the theater. They don't, you know, get a babysitter and come to the cinema to sit down and just be like, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. They come to be like that was the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's so many times in my life where I've seen movies and I'm like, uh, like the, the Captain Fantastic is like this. It's in theaters right now, and Tickled is like this. You walk out and the documentary Tickled. Yeah, you walk out and you just go, that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you want. That's yeah. what I had when, like, when I saw sit- Lost in Translation. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of movies like that. Did you sit down intending to write the b- best movie you've ever seen? No, no, no. What I mean was, that's the goal. I mean you well, of course you want you want you want to watch a movie that you'd want to you want to write a movie you'd want to see. Yeah. And so that was the goal. And then Ira's big thing, act one. Cuz early on, you know, I wrote <laughs> like 12 or 13 drafts. I have a funny another Ira story, but I want to hear I, it. I wrote like 12 or 13 drafts of the script and I would have these readings at my house and um to get people's candid thoughts, like really I wanted like their harshest thoughts basically. Hmm. And um, and the second or third, first two or three readings, Ira Glass would show up, and afterwards he would stay late, and he would just like, and I'd be like, Ira, what do you think? And this is after like a bunch of people were like, it's great, you know, I think it's really working, blah blah blah. And Ira would just be like, Mike, it's just not, it's just not a movie, mm. it's just not anything. Like it, I, I don't, I don't understand why you're spending so much time on this. Wow. And I was like, Ira, I remember this specific conversation. I was like, Ira, it's. It, it is a movie. It's the big chill set in the world of, improv, of an improv theater. Hmm. And he goes, well, if, if that's what it is, you, 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 the characters have to be more different from each other. And so that's why it took months and months and months, hmm. and, you know, over a year, probably a year and a half to write the script. I needed to write six characters who we believed and had their own individual arcs that were different from one another but lived in the same world. Mm-hmm. And that just takes so long. Yeah. Well, that that was my next question. Actually, was how, like there's this quality that that Judd is always nudging us towards that you definitely have in this film, which is everybody is a real person and everybody has something going on. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah. you can say that, and I've said that to myself and to our writers. It's not as easy as just knowing that you have to do it. Like what happens to your character 
is the perfect thing to happen. It's the right thing for him. You don't even know that you were wanting yeah. something like Sur- And even the, Kate. The, the term that people use sometimes is surprising but inevitable. Surprising but inevitable. That's what you want that's with, all your, with all your characters. Once you put the piece in, it clicks. And yeah. you're like, ah, that's what I Which knew. is like, like a nearly impossible prompt to give someone yeah. as a writer. What we want is something to be surprising yet inevitable. Yeah. It's like... Okay, I'm going to go kill myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's impossible. Yeah. It's what they said at the New Yorker. They were like, you need to make it your own style, but also a style that looks like it belongs in the New Yorker. <sighs> I, I know. <laughs> I know. And it's like, you know you know what's so hard is like there's so many – we're in this era of like there's 100 – you know, when I, when I said I was doing it for improv workshops, we got 120 improv theaters submitting across the country. We're mm-hmm. going to 30, which is great, but like you want to go to all of them. When I got out of college, there was like 20 improv theaters in the country, period. Now there's 120. Yeah. So you got all these improv comedians. you got all these stand-up comedians. And they all tweet at me a lot and Facebook me a lot and that kind of thing and say, like, how do I do what you do? How do I get to where you are? Yeah. And the, I think that the, the kind of the tough thing to tell people, because no one wants to hear this, is like, the way that I did what I did is gone. Yeah. Because once I did it, it's gone. Yeah. Once Louis did what he did it's with gone. $5 downloads and no Ticketmaster, that's gone. Yeah. And once, you know what I mean? You could like, write a book on how to make it as a stand-up, but by the time it's published, it'll be irrelevant. Yeah. That's it. What else would you... Of I, all, And I think of all art forms. There's other Not, with all art forms that you're try, you're you're up against so many people who want to do that. How many people would rather paint uh, pictures than you know be a barista at Starbucks? Like a lot of people, would, right? So you're up against all those people. Yeah, that's daunting. Can you imagine? Yeah, but <laughs> so you have to find something in it. If you that you love, but isn't there something? Love is the right word, isn't there? Love something, versus love versus like. I always say, you have uh, to love it, not like it. There's characters in the film that like it. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and then you're like, they like the comfort of the life, right? They like the comfort of the friendships, and but then there's also the purist in the group that's kind of like, and this is just we can just talk about improv as a thing. It's like we're doing it because you know I, I riff in my stand up sometimes, and I, I remember talking to. Um, TJ about feeling bad that it was gone. Like I didn't record it, I didn't do it, and he was like, "No, sometimes it's just for that." Yeah, it's just I like that. So you and I are talking about something yes. ethereal, like making it happens it in a moment and disappears, and it's gone, and that's yeah, life. It's beautiful. And someone that can merge with that is more enlightened than the person that figures out a way to maybe commoditize it. We're a better capitalist, but the character that's like, "No, I'm happy not doing that." I'm in awe of that character in the film. That's the Is character that right? who I, I wish I was. Yeah, I think there's this there's this great book that's referenced in the film called Something Wonderful Right Away. It's an oral history of the compass players in Chicago in Second City mm. from like the 50s and 60s when they started this. And it's a great book to just have because you can like pick it up and read like – because oral history, it's like you can read a chapter of Alan Arkin, a mm. chapter of Elaine May, like a cha- you know, like a mm. chapter of Del Close, and it's three pages, and you can fall asleep, and it's fun. That's you know, great. it's yeah. like a great book. But uh, but one of the things I think Paul Sills says is that we have the ability as improvisers on any given night in any given city, 
whether it's Phoenix, I go around to Phoenix, Dallas, San Francisco, all these places, I always say, you guys have the ability to make the single best written, most topical, best performed, most provocative performance play in the world tonight anywhere. Mm. Right here. Mm -hmm. And you guys have that power, and that's not to be taken lightly. Mm. It's, it's It's a major opportunity. Yeah, God might show up. Yeah, I mean, we did a show. We improvised. We improvised at um, uh, UCB for the Del Close Marathon last month, and and it was Tammy Sager, and it was uh, Connor Ratliff, and Gary Richardson, who plays one of the improv students in the movie. He goes, "I want to be on Is Weekend Live." Guy? Oh, the, the African American, yeah. And he goes, um, "He, we were doing that guy is so an- annoying. The character, the character, Timmy. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, sure he's great. Gary Richardson's brilliant, but I'm sure." But um, I'm annoyed by his character. He, um, <laughs> yeah, of course. He, yeah. um, but we were doing. It was the week of a lot of this police violence and stuff, and or you know, and uh, on on black men in America, and mm-hmm. and we just started talking about it on stage. Hmm. And I said, well, my, you know, I said my exper- my first experience was uh, with police officers was when they came to our St. Mary's school. And they taught us not to use drugs. Hmm. The D.A.R.E. program. D.A.R.E. you not to use drugs. I graduated. Yeah, I graduated program. as well. Um, I took it serious. Too. And, and, then, <laughs> and, then Gary's, and then Gary said my first experience, because he grew up in Ferguson, Missouri, hmm. was something to the effect of like walking down a street like in broad daylight and being like grabbed by the collar by hmm. a cop and being like, what are you doing here? Hmm. And that's in some ways what we should be improvising about. In, mm. in some, like, I, I think, in some, like, there's a there's a degree to which like, like improv has the ability. Uh, the original point of improv, that when it was, uh, what you know, created was to affect social change and mm. to reflect back society on itself. Because and, if you can get out of the way of the thinking mind, you can start listening to the heart, right? Yeah, yeah, and. uh yeah, and that was a powerful show. Like, that was a show where, like, for the first 15 minutes of the show, it wasn't funny at all. Yeah. And then we passed a point where it was like, oh, this is really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fascinating. I, I also, it, it's also, you know, me. I, I love thinking about how our brain has all this agenda. And then if we can break that down, we can get to our true essence. Yeah. And our pain. Yeah. And our bleeding and our sorrow. So if you allowed the Compass players to talk about that time or if you allowed a group – and because it's improvised, the audience will give them permission, almost like a ceremony, to be like, it's okay. Like if you knew that a nun quietly when she's making a ham sandwich for one second thinks something transphobic, (laughs) but it's just a flash in her brain. She doesn't say it. And it goes away. Yeah. You forgive that because you're like, yeah, I sometimes think about punching a toddler or yeah. something terrible. I think so. Similarly, we let an improv team be more offensive and even more provocative than sometimes uh, a stand up who we know probably planned to shock us. Yeah. <laughs> I always get, obs- I always get not, I get dispirited when people like cherry pick things that they find objectionable in a stand up comedian's act that isn't, un- isn't televised. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they go to a, a show and they go, you know, Tracy Morgan said a homophobic thing right. on such and such a stage. And 
and then he has to apologize to America. Well, I'm we, like, well, uh, he was just he was free associating in the moment, and he probably said something that he doesn't really believe in. I don't know Tracy that well, but I don't think he believes that. And then he's apologizing not to. I mean, I get the idea that he would apologize to the people in that room. Mm-hmm. The idea that he'd apologize to America is strange to me. Right. I think that's the problem with filming and uh, as we're recording this conversation. Yeah. I th- I like and I don't. And by the way, I don't agree with anything Tracy said. I mean, it's nuts. No, I know that. That I know what you're thing, talking about. Yeah, for sure. That thing he said he was like, I if my son was gay, I'd hope he'd die or something. Like it was crazy. So it's like the it worst was bananas. It was like the literally the craziest thing you could possibly say. But that being said, if we don't allow artists to, you know, if, to, if, to, if to, go, to go to the dark places, then then. Who we're, will? We're at, who will? And then we're going to end up with really, really homogenized art. Well, it's funny that you say that because it reminds me of what my church used to feel like, which a church that I grew up in is the feeling of cameras everywhere. Yeah. Because we were filming each other, not with cameras, but f- watching your behavior and making sure you were nice and kind and preach the right uh, beliefs and all that sort of stuff. So when we put cameras everywhere, we lose the grit. And we lose the ugliness that is a – it's a very lonely feeling. Like I watched the Tony Robbins documentary and, you know, he's up there and he's like, I like Tony Robbins. I actually yeah. – you can I listen to this too. podcast. I quote yeah. Tony Robbins constantly. Yeah. But some of the people there, it reminded me exactly of the evangelical church where it's like, you want to open a cookie company? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You should make those cookies. Nothing's going to stop your cookies, man. You're amazing, right? Yeah. It's just that. And I was like, this is where comedians are born. We're a virus. Yeah. We're a bacteria that bubbles around the perimeter. And we're talking shit going, I had one of his fucking cookies that tastes like ass. And that's an essential voice. Yeah. But if the dark corners on the side have cameras on them and judges, then we lose the dark corners. Then who am I going to stand with at a party or a Tony Robbins con- uh, convention? Yeah. You, it's not why did you and I talk shit when I worried that my phone was on? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because that's a part of the human experience. When I paint a house, I go, is that what a house looks like to you? <laughs> yeah. And when I talk shit, I go, is this what it feels like to see this and this and this? And it unifies and it can actually be an edifying and good thing to privately sometimes vent it's true. negativity. Although jealousy is is something that I struggle with. Is that true? I think so. Don't you think from being my friend that I, I sort of... Uh, I'm trying do to I, think. Do, am I snarkier than... Most or same or maybe less. you and I are both the same. Yeah, because it's such a it, it's such an unfair. It's such a I shouldn't say it's unfair. It's a, it's 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 a useless uh, uh, allocation of time. Oh, for sure. To become jealous because what I do to pull myself back from jealousy sometimes when I feel jealous of someone is I say, would I trade my life for that person's life? one for one or would I trade my career for that person's career one for one because you can't and usually I say no yeah because you can't just cherry pick what you want from people's lives I've played that game where you're like wouldn't you like to be let's say Adam Sandler and then you'd be but then I'd be however he'd be older or whatever or he'd be or I'd have made these three terrible movies or whatever it might be or whatever whoever yeah sure yeah you have to take the whole picture yeah you have to but yeah. people don't do that. We just focus. We laser focus on one aspect. And yeah. We go, if I had that, I'd be all set. What are we gonna do? So you and I are roughly. I'm a little older than you, but we're roughly the I same just age. Just turned thirty six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thirty eight, and uh, I love that. That's 
I wrote it two years ago, and it's like now I'm 38. It's you can literally feel. I say the I, my character says in the movie, I just turned 36 in the scene, and yeah, and now I'm 38, and so yeah. you can literally feel the sands of time. Oh my god! These are the days of our lives. They say like children, and as you know, but also projects can help you gauge. Because I'm like when I wrote the pilot for Crashing, I was 36. So we're gonna hang up the gloves in probably 25 years, right? Yeah, 30 years. Stop, stop doing this. Stop doing whatever we're doing. Yeah. What do you want to do between now and then? Uh, yeah, it was a great question. In fact, that was part of the answer of why I, I started making Crashing. And it's an, it's definitely an influence that you've had on me. Where I go, are we really on this planet? The, are we really well, on this planet? There was that one day What's where that? you were heading to, you were going to go to a sitcom audition for like a, a multi-cam sitcom. Yes. And I think I talked you out of going. You did. Well, because at that point, Judd was not committed to your series, but he was interested. In I was your writing series. for him. I was sending him things. Yeah. And in this, but that's months and months. And, and I was, months and, and months I was and like, I was like, Pete. Do you want – and you were going to audition for sitcom and it would have committed you for seven years to something else right, right, if, if right. it, in success. And you didn't love the sitcom. It wasn't like something you felt passionate about. No, not at all. I don't even remember what it was. That's how inconsequential it was. It was just a job. And I was like, Judd Apatow thinks that you have something yeah. that you could build an autobiographical TV series about for HBO. What breaks my heart, not – I don't want to talk shit about my agents and managers, but nobody on my – I hate the term team. But nobody on my team said that. But instead of being negative and saying they should have told me that, I'd rather shine a light on the fact that I bet everybody that's successful has – and that you're this for me – has some sort of liaison, like Ira Glass staying at the end of the reading and going, act one, this sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, act two, make them different. So like – what a, what a gift. And that's how I've always felt about you. And I'm like, how? I don't know if that's a movie, but I'm just saying that's another secret of showbiz. You think it's, it's, right, it's going to be friends. your agents and managers. But, you know, and I would say this if they were here. It's just kind of like uh, no friends play a bigger role than agents and managers. Well, friends have no financial stake in your life. Because they, they don't want to be holding the ball when – the show doesn't the HBO show doesn't happen and we would have had money if we had gone out for the multicam. Yeah. So they want to play it safe. I think the weird thing about this town But you, can I say something else you said? Yeah, yeah. You said be the weird creative guy that people tell stories about. And I love that. So I would tell you about writing the show and I would be like, sometimes I hate being in the writer's room and you were like, just leave the room. Just go in an, in an office and close the door. Go to the movies like Don Draper and be the weird guy. Be Letterman. S- exactly. <laughs> Similarly, everyone understands the guy that goes like, I have this, but maybe the multicam. I should, I should do both because it's prudent. Be the weird guy. Don't be the prudent guy. Yeah. Be the weird guy. What were you going to say? I don't remember. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. We were talking about the multicam and... Oh, that's sitcom. We didn't go... Oh, this is a weird thing I find about Los Angeles is people come here um, to make art. And then a lot of great people, a lot of great artists live here. Like so many. The concentration is unbelievable. Yeah. And none of them really wanted to be rich. That Yeah, I think and that's And they show up here and all of a sudden they want to be rich. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Great question. And it, I think it's in in part related to what I discuss in the movie is that thing of 
looking at the other people and going, well, they ha- that person has a car. No, I think that's that, true. That's what is that a Lexus? I remember I, I saw. I guess I could have a Lexus if I if I took something that I was less proud of. Yeah, interesting. And, and it's so weird. It's like some of the most inspired artists live like in within these like thirty miles, and yet. And yet they're all doing stuff they're not psyched about so that they can have $800,000 instead of $700,000. Right. Jesus. It's like Fight Club. He goes, advertising has us working jobs to buy, jobs we hate to buy shit we don't need. It's unbelievable. It takes my breath away. Well, nobody, this isn't a voice that we're getting. I'm proud to be a part of this voice getting out again, you know, because that's a that's an interesting lesson. And the best answer I can give you is that there is an idiot chimp brain in all of us that when I was at, uh, what's the restaurant next to UCB? Franklin to the left. It's the French place. I'm Cafe 101. No, you're wrong. Sorry, I was grabbing- wrong block. <laughs> oh, 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 Le Puebla. Uh, La, La Poubelle. La Poubelle. I saw, here you go. You got to write something down? No, I was going to, I took. I was going to take out my my gratitude journal as, oh, as a point. I want. Yes, I saw. <laughs> uh, fuck this story. What do you got? No, I was just going to say. No, like, I don't mean that dismissively. Please tell me. What no, La Poubelle. Tell me. What you're I saw John Hamm leave La Poubelle, and he got in an Audi A4, and there was part of, or whatever A8. I don't know what it was, but I go. Maybe when I make it, I've never wanted an Audi. Yeah. But then you see a silverback gorilla <laughs> get in an Audi. A silverback gorilla? And you go, maybe I could be a silverback gorilla in an Audi. This is why people drink Coke. What do you got? It's like I started writing a gratitude journal recently. Can to, I? To remind me. Serendipity. One of the things I got from Tony Robbins is the three-part walk. One is affirmations. You just tell yourself good things. Second is gratitude, and third is you envision how you're going to see your day. But the second part is you're grateful for anything you can think of that you're grateful for, including like my skin. So I wrote like my. So I'm just looking at like one from butt. from like yeah. June second. I'm just skimming through this. It's like <laughs> June second. Uh, gratitude journal. Eight years of marriage with Chloe. I call my wife Chloe. Her name's Jen. I call her Chloe. My daughter Una eating toast. My the dad. time to acknowledge changes I can make for my health. Do any of those cost anything? Yeah. Then why? No. Though, then why would I need more money? I feel this way all the time. Val and I love our house. We call it the love house, and we love. Oh, we call it the love house. Do you ever tell people that? I don't know if it's come up. Oh, I love that. And it's very important. And we <laughs> one of them is Una saying eggs and butter. Oh, free. Yeah, that's free. You free get that thing. for free. Free thing. My daughter said eggs and butter. I would have paid her. <laughs> If her agent called and said, look, I can get her to say eggs and butter, but it's going to be 900 plus air in hotel. Yeah. I would be like, all right, I'll pay that. That's so funny. But she did it for free. She threw it in there. And she stayed with you. She stayed with me. That's so funny. What else you got? The way Una loves people. Hmm. People's underlined. Yeah. <laughs> can I get another read on that? <laughs> the way Una loves people. I want to feel that underlying. Una loves people. <laughs> I would say I hate to give you a line read. The way Una loves people. Another one. My say, <laughs> you don't well, care. You know, say, it's the same thing that you were saying before. I know about your skin. Yeah, you kind of like my health and sanity. Yeah, sanity undervalued. If you take that's great. If you take a gratitude walk 
And this is look, I'll save you seven hundred dollars. Sorry, Tony. Thanks. But one of the best things you get from that program is you take a walk and you just break. Let's say it's a ten minute walk, three minutes each section. But you know, you take a longer walk, whatever, or do it on the treadmill. The first part, you just tell yourself things like, "I, you know, I love you. You're killing it. I can't be stopped." It's it's a little embarrassing to talk about. <laughs> That's a Tony Robbins one. That's oh in God. the movie. It's so funny. I can't be stopped. I'm Look, killing it. I can't be stopped. I know that's embarrassing. It's great. I, I think it's great. I, I just think it's he, funny. You know, it just is funny. He talks about this. It's like it's there's a certain type of humiliation that I think it's is so weird. I don't do that. I would I, experiment saying, with that, but I but that that's a that's really like that's very bold. Well, I now, like it. Now I'm like feeling it. vulnerable, and I'm going to tell you that I don't do it, but I did do it, and I liked it. But yeah. I don't do it. But I am feeling vulnerable. I wish I could just commit and be like, I like it. But I didn't do that. No, I, I can't right. be stopped. It was like all the love I need is in me now. All the peace right. I need is in me now. All the genius I need is in me now. All the, the love part I had to come to grips with before I had a child. What's that? It'd be like, I have enough love yes. in me to give to a child yes. before I was comfortable having a child. And what was that? That was just you telling yourself that and believing it. Yeah. That's a good one. And the second one is the, is the gratitude one. What, but I'm interested in that. You didn't feel like you had enough love to give your baby? No, I had to I had to examine why I was resistant to having a child. Mm. I was like, why am I resistant to this? And why are you? I was. Why I now have you? a 14-month-old daughter. It would um, be funny if you were still. Actually, it wouldn't be funny. It would be something we'd all have to talk about. The I was resistant to it because I was afraid of destabilizing my plans for my life. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think destabilizing can be like can be the best thing for your mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. because it can make you learn more things about yourself. I mean, one of the things that I find that I I witness with my peers is that the ones who stagnate are the ones who um, maintain control. Who they yeah, they, they maintain control, and they stop. And they they stop thinking there's room to grow. Yeah. I, th- I think that if there's Fucking one thing, I'm, my plan for the next 30 years before I retire is I want to make 10 films, and I want each one to be better than the last one. Mm. I want to learn from the one before it. Mm-hmm. And, and It's very interesting. That is a type of death, is when you go like, and that's it. That's the feeling of depression when I get depressed, is you're like, and I've done it. Like, I've, I've looked under every stone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you forget that, like, Barcelona is a place, you know? What I mean? Yeah. Or you forget that, like, you could learn. Well, I always tell, these, play ki- the I always tell these kids in the kids, I mean, they're in their 20s at the improv theaters. I say, if I could go back into my 20s and do it over again or tell, give myself advice to my 20 year old self, I'd mm-hmm. say, read more, mm. see more movies, see more of the world. Mm. Because that, mo- that, those, that, that age between 20 and 30, when. Your brain is still very malleable, and mm-hmm. you're still learning, mm-hmm. and you're you're able to learn a lot fast. It's it, it it's not always like that. I'll contribute to that. I wish someone had told me how sexy it is. I don't mean fucking. I mean exciting, vibrant. It is to learn because it's a bank robbery. I've said this before. Knowledge is a bank robbery. You're yeah. telling about stealing from uh, Altman and Woody Allen and all that stuff. You read things and you absorb them, and it becomes a part. It becomes an avenue in your personality that literally will get you laid, but it'll also, you know, get you friends. It'll get you in better it'll, conversations. It'll bring you closer to people who you'd be more interested in talking to. Probably. That's it. That's right. 
You know, it's funny. That's what I found in college. I auditioned for the improv group. I was so lonely before I met these people. All of a sudden, I'm casting this group, and there's 10 people who I love. Yeah. I'm like, these are my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's in, in both of my movies have this in it. In Sleepwalk With Me, it's the condo scene with Jesse Klein mm-hmm. and the other comics. Mm-hmm. We're all eating pizza, like watching Mitch Hedberg on TV. Mm-hmm. And like... and. It's like this thing of like these are my pe- I literally wrote in the script these are my these are his people. Yeah. You know, and then and then when I made Don't Think Twice, I was like I want to do that condo scene as a whole movie. Mm. So in some ways I think it's a subconscious thing. Oh, I'm just know. trying to find my people. Find your people because the things that you gravitate towards will inform who you are and the better you know yourself the more you can find the people who will vibrate at the same frequency as you. And then when I go to the improv theaters, I say this thing, too, which relates, which is you guys have a huge leg up on other writers and creators in this country. You guys have each other. Hmm. You guys can literally say, I mean, you can say, hey, I wrote this screenplay. Uh, are you guys free Saturday afternoon? I'm going to get four pizzas and, and some beers, and we're going to read it and just hang out and shoot the shit afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably do it. What a resource, yeah. I don't know if they will definitely do it, but they'll probably do it. Uh, the advice that I would give my 20-year-old self is, why didn't you do an improv show twice a week? Why yeah. didn't you just do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Fuck all. Yeah, instead Come of if just you Tuesdays. Want. Instead of once every two months. We were a terrible yeah. oh, improv yeah. team yeah. in that way. What the fuck? We should have had open rehearsals and we should have had two shows a week. It, do you need to prepare? Are you wor- you know what I mean? Like yeah. once you learn a long form format, you can do that. Or once a week, it doesn't have to be twice a week. But you know what I mean? What was? But that's you see that I think in the movie is addressed. It's people like to throw out the term fear of success, which Seinfeld very funnily funnily was like, "What am I afraid of a leather couch?" <laughs> I actually think it's more on the nose. It's fear of failure. Why don't some of the characters in your movie do the things that they say they're going to yeah. do? Yeah. It's because they know that once they put their blood on the on the page, it's not that great. Yeah. That's fucking brutal. That, it it puts what, them in position for someone to say it's not great. That's right. Yeah. Which I'm living right now. Which is why when you were complimenting the movie so much earlier, in some ways it's hard for me to take in because you want to just let go of the compliments and the disses. Yeah. You just want to have all of it bounce off of you in a way because you don't want to – you know, they say don't believe your good press, don't believe your bad press in some ways. But then it, it begs why are we doing what we're doing? And this is a question I've been ruminating on lately. I was making this show and I'm like I'm doing this because this is what I do. That was kind of like my answer. I was like I do this because I'm compelled to do this. I want yeah. to tell these stories and I like doing jokes and all that stuff. And then TJ would be like I do this because I like to make people smile. Like he's like I just That's want nice. I just want to entertain Literally the crew. Yeah. So it's not even something later when the show's done. He's like, today, right now, laugh at me right now, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And it, it, it's a, another kind of Tony Robbins thing. It's like, why do we do what we do? And, you know, it was years ago, but I remember I was like, the life mission statement of my life, I like access, which sounds like money. It's not money. Access is when you invite me over to your house and Ira Glass and his wife are there. You know what I mean? I love that sort of... Are you like being invited to the party. So but not just for the stroke of the ego, because there are people that I could go and see, and it would be an interesting kind of 
paparazzi moment if ever and if anyone gave a shit about either of us. But I like going and being like, oh, this is this is one of my people, an interesting person, and I'm fascinated. That's access. It's also you know you can go to. Um, Disneyland, I like going to Disneyland, or you can go to a nice meal or, or whatever it might be, but that's sort of access. And then ascension is the idea that I want to always be growing and improving, and also specifically in a spiritual way, meaning figuring out what it is we're doing here personally, something that I'll feel and hopefully be able to articulate. And then embarrassingly, can you, the third one, it also starts with an A. Any guess? Access, uh, ascension, um, acceptance of self. Oh, that's a good one. I wish it was that. Adoration. I did it year. I, but it, I was just trying to be really honest. I was like, I tend to like it if I think people like what I do. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way. But that's a tricky It's a tricky place to be. Because if you believe that I love your movie, you do have to believe. Well, there was a funny private moment between me and Ira like a few weeks ago because I've been working so hard on traveling with the movie. And it's really been beating me up because I'm like going city to city to city. Yeah. And uh, and and I I was commiserating with Ira on the phone, and he goes, "Well, you know, you're going to be miserable anyway. You might as well be accomplished." That's really funny. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> There's a great. Oh, this is my Ira story from earlier. Oh yeah, great. Which is uh, <laughs> when he would Skype into our edits, and um, so his face would be like the si- like on a 50 inch monitor. So it'd be this huge Ira Glass head ah. screaming at us, you know, because he gets very emotional and and uh, then an Olympian comes in and throws a hammer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, he uh, so he so, gets emotional. He, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, well, he get, yeah, he comes, he's a very passionate person. He's a brilliant guy. I mean, beyond brilliant, as we know. Um, and he goes uh, one day. He we had worked on an experiment for the final scene with Jack and Sam and. Um, we because we were tried like fifteen different versions of the edit of that sp- specific scene, the final scene oh. of them together. Yeah, that was a hard scene to edit. Our yeah. editor Jeffrey Richmond is extraordinary. Great shot when you cut behind her and you think the audio isn't going to sync up, but when you swoop to the front, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Just watch, <laughs> just watch the movie with me. I'll, do, I'll just pause it and I'll tell you. I'm telling you, I see it. Oh, we got to do audio commentary together. I'll do it. It'll be mostly me. Oh my god! Yelling at how great it is! <laughs> oh my god! So he goes. So so we had done this experiment. We were really proud of it. And I, and Ira always butters you up before he criticizes you. But uh-huh. it's in he's almost too extreme sometimes. So one day it's like uh, Ira's head fifty inches on the screen. He's like, first of all, you guys are just fucking geniuses. Like I don't know how you fall asleep at night. Like I don't know. You just have like ideas oozing from your brains. It's just like I don't. I literally don't even know how you walk out the door. This just doesn't work. I'm sorry. Like it's this is it's so wrongheaded and it doesn't fit in the movie and it's completely wrong. And I'm sorry. Oh my god. That's what it's like working with Ira Glass. Wow. Act one, very nice. Yeah. Act two, go fuck yourself. Go fuck <laughs> you're, you're, you're way but off. Mikey, you're that to me. We, we have to wrap up soon because it's somebody else has a studio. But you're, <coughs> you're like that for me. Thanks. If you like my comedy special, I know you like it. Oh, yeah. You know I what love I mean? it. Yeah, I didn't, it sounded like I was going for that. But I mean, like, when I show you my new one, if, have I shown you my new one? No. If I show Did you, you my new one. Did you shoot it? Yeah, it's the done. The HBO one? It's done. 
Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. it when you watch it and you like it. You think it, it's better than the last one? I do, I do. Wow. And I think if you watch it and you love it, I'll know you love it because I, you are the guy, just like Judd. Judd will do this too. Judd did this. We were listening to the Shanling interview together. Because we were, you know, I was your around. Shandling interview. My my, yeah. my interview with Shandling. It's wonderful. And there, it, uh, thank you. People I'm, should, if you haven't listened to that, listen to that. I'm proud of it because he was so great. I don't think I necessarily whatever. But there is a moment where he says, like, um, uh, he goes, like, I've had certain experiences that make me believe certain spiritual things are true, and then we kind of got off on a tangent, and Jed was just like, you sh- you should have asked him what those were, yeah. and then he goes. And I, I say this with full knowledge. I would say this if Judd were here. He's just like, sometimes I think you're thinking of a joke instead of what the the right question oh. would be. And you go, thank you so much. It's almost like opening the freezer. And it's cold, but it's refreshing. Yeah, you need those friends around you. You, you need those you people. Need, if you don't have friends have around two. you giving you the, 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 the real, deal. real deal criticisms, then, yeah. then you need that. But I've thought that quote that yeah. he said – Several times during this interview. Wow. And I think it's made it better. Because I was going to do a gag where every time you said Ira Glass, I said Act One, and then oh I realized God. at a certain <laughs> <laughs> Diminishing returns. Oh, it wasn't because it wasn't funny. Yeah. I was worried that it would uh, tarnish the interview, that it would make you lose your train of thought. Nice try, the devil. <laughs> the new- <laughs> nice try, the devil. I think that's the funniest name ever. I love it. It's such a stupid phrase. Nice try, the devil. I so appreciate your friendship. I, I so appreciate, appreciate you, this man. podcast. Um, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, this is pulling back the curtain too far. These are a bunch of jerks. Yeah. These you guys are narcissistic a- jerks. Just know we don't know anything. <laughs> We're just making it up as we go too. We're trying our best. Yeah, forget someone, someone the other day tweeted um, about my movie. They wrote, they wrote Chris Gethard. I'm my love for Chris Gethard is getting me to go see Don't Think Twice, despite my hatred for uh, for Mike Birbiglia. And I I tweeted back to them. Um, uh, spoiler alert: We're the same person. And that, obviously we're not the same person, but there's something to that where it's like me and Chris are doing the same thing. Like we're all trying our best. Yeah, we're, not everything we say is perfect, and some stuff will resonate. You know, like th- I don't know how I made that person mad, and I she hates me, and she likes Chris, but we're both trying to say stuff from the gut and tell stories about our lives, and but the- I, but hate hate one person love it? I don't know it felt Isn't strong that funny? to me but you know I was just thinking about that the other day that the more I take the packages in my basement and bring them to the living room the more I'll have deeper more authentic fans but then the more I have to expect that people are going to be like just like with Lena fuck you yeah. fuck you Lena Lena's the nicest person you'll ever meet no I know I'm yeah. just talking about no the, I know the, it's a great example the outliers yeah because if I start talking about my uh, my mom being in love with me or whatever. If that upsets you, I completely get it. <laughs> it yeah. upsets me too. Yeah. But sometimes you can touch a nerve or all these different reasons, or maybe I'm just not somebody's cup of tea, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. My question to you is, why are you looking at your at replies? <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous road to go down. It sure is. I mean, when I wrote the movie, I shut off my internet. I shut off Twitter. I did. I, I you know, I think when I'm in a process of creating stuff. I, yeah. I shut that all down. Yeah, that's what I did for the show. Yeah, I haven't tweeted. In but lately, months. I haven't been creating stuff, so I've just been like 
on airplanes and yeah. you want to entertain yourself and then you look yeah, at yeah, for replies sure. and it sucks. I've been cleaning the house because you're so productive after three months of just constantly making. Yeah. I came home and I was like, well, I guess I'll clean. And Good I, for I, you. I like, oh, but smart. got to me tomorrow eating a rhubarb pie just like covered in scotch. <laughs> your girlfriend, Sweet I would guess though. soon to be your wife. I mean, if she'll have me. Is so wonderful. I uh... she's crossed over a threshold to where I no longer need you to come to when I invite you guys over. <laughs> Even though I love you, no. I'm like if it's just Val, that would be good. It too. makes me happy. She reminds me of Jen a little bit. They're different people, but there's a quality. There's a there's a third thing. Yeah, you know, most people have like their looks and their personality. Some people have looks, personality, and like a third thing. Magic. A magic. They both have magic. They're both magic women. Looks plus personality plus magic. Yeah. Well, I say that to Val all the time. Sorry to jump on the boat, but I go like, how I love her completely transcends how I see her. Like, I don't just look at her and go, you know what I mean? I do. (laughs) But there's something else going on. It's like a deep, like, I know who you are, and I know you know who I am. And it's very, very personal. That hubba hubba made me think you should get a, a test for sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs> let's go get let's go grab coffee. We'll go get lunch. Thing. We gotta yeah. let the studio go. But um thank you, Mikey. I can't endorse the movie enough. Thanks. I do wanna say, I'm sorry, one final compliment. You really did it. I mean, whatever anybody else says, what it's worth, a lot of good people think you did it. And I I can't believe it. Every shot of that movie is the right shot of that movie. You did it. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And a little bit too impressed. I have to catch up so we can be on equal playing fields again. I'm just kidding. What a terrible way to end. (laughs) Go see the movie. Oh, say keep it crispy. I just think it's funny that you thought we were on the same playing field to begin with. (laughs) Keep it crispy! That was the best way to end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 